0: Good evening, everyone. uh, Our second reading, uh, if you don't know, Paul was in prison when he was writing that. Um, So it shouldn't be all that surprising. He says, I'd rather be with Christ in heaven uh, than in this prison. Uh, We can understand that. So uh, sometimes folks don't know the context of why he wrote that. uh, And it sounds a little bit on the depressing side Well, it's because he was in prison. They were not being very nice to him in there, of course. It's prison. Uh, My friends, uh, Mother Church holds that any adult who dies immediately after baptism goes directly to heaven. So if someone, for instance, were to be baptized this evening as an adult, and God forbid they were to get hit by a car and die, they go directly to heaven. We should be filled with joy, knowing that um, this is the grace of God, uh, that they have been saved. But often, uh, this idea uh, makes other Christians angry and uh, upset. Uh, Folks can become outraged that a person who perhaps spent their life in dissipation or had uh, moral problems, and perhaps even worse— they get to go right to heaven like that? While they themselves have been laboring and struggling to keep the commandments and precepts of the Lord their whole life? But Jesus has told us we are to rejoice at the conversion of one sinner and never to be jealous of God's love and his mercy that he distributes equally to all peoples. My friends, this attitude uh, we see existed in Jesus' time also. Uh, This is the reason why Jesus is bringing it up. And yes, the context of the gospel reading is Jesus is speaking directly to the religious leaders of his time, the Pharisees and the scribes. The Pharisees, remember, dedicated themselves to the perfect observance of the Mosaic law, right, down to the last period. They were openly hostile uh, towards anyone who would not do the same. They were very hostile to Jesus because of his attitude towards sinners, and he ate with tax collectors. Oh, heaven forbid. They objected to his willingness uh, that he would speak so easily and freely about God and his love, and that God forgives, and that God welcomes into his kingdom those kind of people and makes them equal to, speaking of, to the Pharisees and the scribes, huh. who had kept the Mosaic law all their lives and had done everything. Worse, they objected to Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God being open to non-Jews. That's what they would do to him. Ultimately, the Pharisees felt that they had earned God's love by keeping the observance of his commandments as given by Moses and that it was unfair of God, unfair of God to allow others such as Gentiles and sinners to enter into the sanctuary area. And to allow those who flouted God's laws or were ignorant of them to share in the same reward as them. They acted as as if God owed them something and should be indebted to them because they were good. So Jesus poses this parable to strike down this self-righteous attitude and entitlement that they had and to show that God's love is more generous than humankind can ever imagine. God's sense of justice, it turns out, is far more merciful than humanity's, and it is not unfair. Still, the parable um, is challenging and confusing uh, to our fine sensibilities uh, to the point that people can end up siding with the complaining laborers uh, rather than with the landlord (laughs) and uh, my friends the thing about the parables is they can be understood in many different ways and um, any preacher who chooses to speak about uh, justice today and use this parable good for them This parable is not about that. It is not about justice or injustice. But it does somewhat address the attitude of entitlement and jealousy. But ultimately, this parable Jesus puts forth uh, to speak about God's love and generosity, his gift of salvation to anyone who would come before him and who would convert, meaning his heart, However, uh, my friends, that we are asked to cooperate with God, uh, but it is never something that we earn. You do not earn his love. He loves you already. Do you want to make him smile? Don't be mean to other people. <laughs> the idea of making God smile is a wonder, I, I would, God who created everything, not just the earth and not just this universe, all of them. All the ones we're still discovering, everything, the ability to make him smile simply by loving. It's outstanding. But to earn his love, we could live a million years and never be able to do that. And we don't have to. <laughs> That's the confounding thing you don't have to. My friends when we reflect on this parable very carefully we will notice that the laborers never complain about the wage that they freely agree to so it is not a question of justice they complain only when they see the others getting the same amount for working for one hour Thus, it is a matter of jealousy not about justice equally important is the question who received the greater gift The ones who didn't work as long and got paid the same, or the ones who worked and got the same pay. I think when I reflected on it, it is the ones who worked the longest. They were most blessed. Because we're talking about a relationship with God, they were in the relationship with God the longest. What a blessing! And my friends, the other thing, work was hard to come by in those days as they are today. And there were no unemployment benefits, no food stamps, no St. Vincent de Paul. Therefore, those hired early had even more reason to be grateful and no reason to complain. Finally, the question of the wage. Perhaps the owner could have given those who worked all day long a bit more, but What is being compared here, and you already know, we're not talking about money. Jesus is talking about salvation. That's what God was offering. Life in the kingdom of heaven. There is no reward greater than that. You can't make that more. God offers us this unimaginable gift. There's nothing greater that he can give. And his love is so great that there is no way he is willing to give less to those who showed up late. In deeper reflection of the parable, be grateful that God has loved you so much that he freely invites you to share in his divine life. Let us ask for a share of his generosity, that generous spirit that he has, so that we too can rejoice when others are called to share. And, yes, humanly speaking, uh, maybe they don't deserve it from our standard, but they do from God's. We should learn to be that generous of heart, how much different the world would be. We should not treat our Lord with such disdain and to be envious of his generosity and love. So many Christians repay God's generosity with ingratitude and the silent treatment. I'm not going to talk to him anymore. So many look at his greater generosity to others as an insult to themselves, equating it as being unfair and unjust. Many are not grateful for the blessings he gives already because others seem to be given more? Yeah, I can walk along the water and see the million-dollar homes. I'm never going to have that, nor do I have the responsibility or or the taxes of that either. (laughs) See, I try and find always the good and funny things in those rather than look at what I do not have. I have you guys. I'm grateful to have a family like you. My friends, in great prayer I look and our judgment of God's heart is the narrow judgment of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which Jesus forbid. We would like to reduce his big heart to the narrowness of our selfishness rather than to change ourselves and widen our hearts to look like his. Here we painfully see that human standards are always lesser than God's standards. As the first reading told us, my thoughts are not yours. And your ways are not my ways. Friends, I don't have any problem with God's generosity I am joy filled in it. I am grateful just to be chosen. I am grateful just to enter in through the gates of heaven. Yes, I would love to sit at the altar. You know my philosophy on that. If I become the court (laughs) jester, I become his clown, I will sit next to the king. (laughs) See, I have no jealousy against others. I'm just looking how can I do this? What is another way for me to do this? Ah, I will become the court jester because that one's always right by the king. It is of little disturbance to me that others receive more graces than I do. God and not I judge what they need. For that matter, what I need, I do not begrudge God because he is generous. Generous. I do not question the greatness of his heart. only wish that mine could be the same, that I could love you as a pastor the way he loves you as God. I am grateful that his great heart was there for me. Always, through all the storms of my life, And that it will be there for me when the end comes for me. Whether I experience it like I read in the book of Revelation, the end time there, or whether it comes as the customary ending, just passing from this human life into the next, he will be there. I believe God's happiness is intertwined in his generosity. And over and over again, he has told us, our happiness will be found in being generous, as he is generous. But the majority of humans will not listen. The haunting question many are tempted to ask always is, what is it, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? And when we ask that question, it leaves absolutely no room for God of heart with others as your Heavenly Father is generous with you. And if you say, not in this world he hasn't been, oh, your crown will be great in heaven then. All kinds of sparkling diamonds. But when you get there, you won't care anymore. (laughs) (laughs) You won't. I hope to see you all there. One day.